When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Good morning, everybody. This is the Friday, October 9th morning edition of the Truth Hurts program. This is my prelude. Today's program quality may not be to its usual high standards. It's being done on the cell phone and it's being done in the midst of my working three different assignments at the same time right now. And uh, a couple of phone calls and a couple of Computer message noises will likely be heard during today's broadcast. I do apologize in advance if you hear a phone ringer or a text message tone, but sometimes that's just the way it is when you're doing a live program, and uh, I apologize in advance for any of those noises that you might hear. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be with you in just a moment. Well, good morning, everybody. We've made it to Friday, October the 9th, 2020. Hurricane Delta is bearing down once again on the southwest Louisiana coast and is expected to make landfall very, very close to the same place that Hurricane Laura ravaged just six short weeks ago. Many people there have blue tarps on their homes and those will likely be shredded by the impending winds of the latest hurricane, Delta. The good news is the storm is likely to weaken somewhat before making landfall, and it's a fast-moving storm, which means the storm surge may not be nearly as bad as they had initially predicted. We're praying for those folks in the Lake Charles Lafayette area for a speedy recovery from Delta. It may, however, be too little, too late. I'll tell you this, I've been to far too many funerals in the year 2020. Far, far too many. Like many years before, people we know pass on to the afterlife, as do people we never knew and never even heard of. Businesses too die, as do ideas and notions. And although this year, 2020, has been one of personal tragedy and loss for myself, having lost a son, a best friend, and several relatives, the next funeral that I attend is one that we will all be attending. The deceased, you ask? Well, it's the very nation in which we live. For the next funeral date may already be in the obituary section of your local newspaper. The date? 
November 3rd, 2020. The deceased, the nation of the United States of America as we know it. The cause of death will be listed as media infection coupled by accompanied acute democratitis, socialism and Marxism infusion, and a severe case of Antifa BLM internal destruction. The autopsy has all been written, just needs to be finalized. The headlines have all but been written. 2020 was indeed a crappy year all around, and the icing on this crap cake will be applied liberally, pun intended, capping off the year of death to America as we know it, as we knew it, as we loved it, and as it was meant to be. The conservatives, the Republicans, the Libertarians, the lovers of freedom, the patriots who support truth, justice, and the American way, the people who enjoyed personal liberty, they'll all be in attendance, mourning the demise of the greatest nation in the history of humankind, paying their respects to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, to one nation under a god thought to be indivisible, thought to have provided liberty and justice for all, and now completely divided, grieving over the loss of that liberty. And on the other side, there will be rejoicing as the Democrats take control of the White House and the Senate and keep control of the House of Representatives. Yes, they will chant and cheer and claim victory in the streets and shout the praises of the multitude of negative changes that they've sought to introduce. And now, emboldened by their win, they will see those changes implemented. And the sole branch of our government left with any hint of conservative constitutional values, the U.S. Supreme Court, will then be packed with additional far-left liberal justices appointed by your new president, Kamala Harris. <coughs> Gropy Joe Biden well, at least for a month or so, demolishing any chance that the conservative American values that you and I hold dear will ever be heard of in government again. At the celebration of the death of our nation, the Democrats will push to add the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico as new states with their massive Democrat populations, their massive double-A and minority crowds cementing their representation in the Senate and adding several more Democrat seats to Congress. And then, as I've pointed out several times on this program, they will usher in their Marxist, socialist, communist agenda. Following that, they will do something else I've predicted on this program. They will begin to eat their own. First, Kamala Harris and nasty Nancy Pelosi will hatch their plan to do away with gropey Joe Biden, either by invoking the 25th Amendment, stating that Joe is suddenly too senile to continue as president, or he might just conveniently cease to function as a viable life form. They could be killeried. <laughs> this, of course, would elevate Kamala Harris to the presidency and advance nasty Nancy Pelosi to the VP slot. Now, we all know how naughty and nasty Nancy can be, so it might not be long before something bad happens to Kamala 
and voila, you have President Nancy Pelosi. God help us all. Meanwhile, realizing that having this new revolving door administration of Democrats cannot and will not do any of the things that they, the Democrats, promised to do for groups like Antifa, BLM, Black This and Black That, those groups will now want to retaliate. After all, they've already got the taste for blood. They've been rioting and looting and burning and assaulting for months. And they will continue and even escalate their violence and anarchy across the nation after realizing that they were lied to by the Democrats and that those promises made to them by the Democrats cannot and will not come to fruition. They will increase their cowardly attacks, their burning, their looting, their assault and battery, their property damage, their murder. Why? Because people enjoy being destructive. Let's face it. If you've ever taken out your frustrations with a baseball bat on something, you know how absolutely refreshing that feeling can be. And when it's condoned and even promoted by a Democrat party, well, what's to stop you? Businesses will close, killings will increase, and the once great, once highly revered, once coveted United States of America will fall into total collapse and chaos with neighbor killing neighbor massive violent protests and civil unrest that will plunge our nation into worse declines than even Venezuela has seen. Now why would I mention such a morbid topic, you ask? Because it's not only possible that this is the outcome of this year's elections, but it's becoming more and more likely as we get closer to Election Day. Remember, the forces at work in the media and in the Democrat Party are pushing more and more, minute by minute, to ensure that this outcome actually happens. You have to understand, they want it to happen. They need it to happen. Because only when it does happen can they implement their overall plan to do what Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama said he wanted to do less than 12 short years ago. Remember? He wants to radically, fundamentally transform America into what his puppet master, George Soros, and their One World Order has envisioned. Sorry about the ring, folks. This morning's program is being done on the cell phone. As I was saying, they want it to happen. They need it to happen. And only when it does happen can they implement their overall plan to do what Barack Obama said, and that is to radically, fundamentally transform America into what his puppet master George Soros and the One World Order has envisioned. A nation designed to rapidly devolve into a Marxist socialist state, which will then lead to an immediate shift to true communism, with everyone being, quote, equal, unquote, in poverty. Except, of course, for the elite few at the top of the giant pyramid scheme that is communism. Trust me when I tell you, they want to do exactly what Obama has said on many occasions. They want to spread the wealth around. Of course, they have no actual clue as to how many truly wealthy people there are as compared to how many claiming to be in poverty. 
So, dividing the combined wealth of the top 350 billionaires in the United States of America and spreading their total wealth to the tens of millions of so-called poor, so-called underserved, so-called underprivileged, so-called needy in America would actually result in bankrupting those 350 owners of major corporations in order to spread a few pennies around to each of the masses who claim to be poor. Meanwhile, those 350 former billionaires, they've already fled with their wealth to offshore destinations, and the so-called poor will be left with their hands out, empty, and the New World Order will have nothing to spread around, leading to the massive defiance against those spreaders, as I said earlier, eating their own. So please remember to dress in somber, grief-worthy mourning attire on November 4th of this year as we pay our final respects to a once great nation, the United States of America as we all knew it. She had a great run for about 240 years. She had her ups and downs, sure, but all of us do. She had mostly ups and some downs, and now... In the decline of her twilight season, she's barely clinging to life. The respirators, the ventilators, they're doing no good. The antibodies in her system, you know, we, the conservatives who embody the cure for the disease that she's enduring right now, we, those antibodies, that cure, that vaccine to make her well again, don't count on it. It's being held up by the CDC, by the Democrats, because they cannot wait to attend this funeral. Rest in peace, USA. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It's like hearing what you are actually thinking. Only with a really cool DJ voice saying it. How noble is the Nobel? That's the topic of our next discussion. Earlier this year, President Donald Trump was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for his absolutely marvelous, wonderful, and well-orchestrated Peace in the Middle East process, something that has been coveted by president after president after president over the decades, but was finally achieved by President Donald Trump. Of course, by the time he was nominated, this year's nominee closure had already occurred. So his name is in the hat for next year, the 2021 Nobel Prize, and that will likely fall by the wayside if he is not re-elected. This year's Nobel Peace Prize, which is usually given to a person, was given sort of as a slap in the face to Donald Trump, in my opinion. It was given to the World Food Program for its efforts in combating a surge in global hunger amid the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 pandemic, which has swept around the world 
with devastating impact. The Nobel Committee said that the work by that organization, a UN agency, of course, to address hunger has laid the foundations for peace in nations ravaged by war. The chairman of the Norwegian Nobel Committee, Berit Reis Andersen, said in the face of the pandemic, the World Food Program has demonstrated an impressive ability to intensify its efforts. The combination of violent conflict and the pandemic has led to a dramatic rise in the number of people living on the brink of starvation. In many nations, particularly those at war, the combination of conflict and COVID-19 has sharply increased the number of people who are hungry. The World Food Program is the largest humanitarian organization that addresses hunger and promotes food security internationally. Last year provided assistance to nearly 1 million people in 88 countries. The Nobel Committee's recognition of a United States, excuse me, a United Nations agency comes as the president, Donald Trump, has very publicly pulled back support for the global organization. Of course, the New York Times has to take their shots at Trump. They can't just praise the agency for getting the Nobel Prize. They have to take swipes at Trump. They write, Since he took office in 2017, the U.S. has withdrawn from several U.N. bodies and slashed funding for others, including those involved in humanitarian relief. Mr. Trump has contended that the U.S. was shouldering an outsized financial responsibility for the global body as compared with other countries. And guess what? That is truth. That is gospel. It is fact. In the spring, the U.S., halted funding to the World Health Organization, a UN agency that has been coordinating the global response to the Kung Fu flu. Well, I wonder why. Anyhow, the Nobel Committee recognized that the award comes at a crucial time for this organization as the pandemic heightens food insecurity and damages the economies around the world. It said funding from the Peace Prize will be key to ensuring the organization's future work. The World Food Program was established in 1961 after being proposed by Dwight Eisenhower and has been a major behind-the-scenes player helping people affected by some of the world's most devastating disasters, including famine in Ethiopia in the 80s, wars in Yugoslavia in the 90s, the Asian tsunamis in 2004, and of course the Haitian earthquake in 2010. Of course, the Nobel Peace Prize is a highly politicized deal. Remember, they gave it to Barack Hussein Obama, and still to this day, they have zero justification. They don't know why they gave it to him. They just said they gave it to him. Awarding the Peace Prize to a UN agency was less controversial a choice than in some recent years. Remember, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia was awarded the prize in 2019, yet... He faced accusations of heavy-handed crackdowns on political protests in his country. <gasps> what? He stopped their freedom of speech? Unbelievable. So this year there were some other Nobel Prize winners, and these are far less controversial as far as politics are concerned. Physiology and Medicine's prize was announced on Wednesday and was given to three scientists discovering the cure 
or the hepatitis C virus. Harvey Alter, Michael Houghton, and Charles M. Rice received the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine. The Nobel Prize in Physics was announced on Tuesday in Sweden and was awarded half to Roger Penrose for showing how black holes could form, and the other half to Reinhard Genzel and Andrea Ghez for discovering a supermassive object at the Milky Way's center. Okay, I'm no physics guy, but I think Roger Penrose probably should have gotten it because he showed how black holes could form. And Genzel and Ghez, they had a big telescope and they saw a big object at the Milky Way Center. Whoop-de-doo, give me a big telescope. I'll show you a massive object. <laughs> the Nobel Prize in Chemistry was announced Wednesday in Sweden. The winners, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Dutna, developed the CRISPR tool, which can change the DNA of animals, plants, and microorganisms with high precision. That's what we need. A tool that can change the DNA of animals, plants, and microorganisms. Yes, the end is coming, folks. The Nobel Prize in Literature was announced on Thursday. Louis Gluck, one of America's most celebrated poets, received the prize. There's also a Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Science, and it will be announced on Monday in Sweden. I can all but promise you that I give zero shits about that one and will very likely not report anything about that one on this program because who gives a damn? The best part of waking up is listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is not a cup of coffee. If you recall yesterday's program, I mentioned that parts of Wisconsin were being destroyed by so-called peaceful protesters. Oxymoron much? You may recall that back in February, 17-year-old criminal thug Alvin Cole was shot and killed by cops because he refused to drop the stolen 9mm handgun in his hands and... The police shot and killed him. The mother and sisters of the 17-year-old thug, Alvin Cole, were arrested Thursday night by cops in Wisconsin while they were, quote-unquote, peacefully protesting, according to their family's attorney. Well, of course he'd say that. What I want you to understand is that Tracy Cole, Taliavia Cole, and Tayuda Cole and Tristiana Cole were all taken into custody in a town just west of Milwaukee, according to their family attorney, Kimberly Motley. These women were violating the law, just like their dead thug child, only they weren't carrying guns. They were, however, violating the 7 p.m. curfew that was in effect, following the news that Officer Joseph Mensah, an African-American police officer who shot Cole, will not be facing criminal charges. And that decision sparked protests amid a months-long wave of nationwide demonstrations over how people allegedly treat 
black folks. The thug Alvin Cole's mother, Tracy, who uses a walking cane, was taken to a hospital with a large bump on her forehead and an injured arm that she claims resulted from being roughly handcuffed. Two of the other sisters were also treated and released from the hospital. The lawyer says it's unclear why they were arrested. At the time of their arrest, they were in their vehicle, and they supposedly got pulled from their vehicle. Ms. Tracy, who walks with a cane, is a peaceful protester, he said, and was essentially assaulted and then taken to the hospital by police, and she has sustained injuries as a result. I can hear the commercial now. Were you injured at a protest? Do you think the police handled you badly? One call, that's all. Call us now at 1-800-USA-JURY. Call us now, and we'll get you the millions of dollars you deserve. The car was impounded. Two of the sisters were taken to two different precincts in two different cities following their arrests, and magically they've all been released without charges. <sighs> Quit breaking the law. Apparently, we're not all created equal in America because some groups of people understand that you have to follow the law, and others think they're either above the law or the law doesn't apply to them because it was written by white men. Now, in the Alvin Cole case, the prosecutor in his report said that little Alvin had stolen a 9mm pistol while he was at the mall, and he brandished that pistol during an argument with another patron of the mall. In other words, for those of you who don't understand those big words, he whooped out his pistol and pointed it at somebody. He was encountered by a police officer in the parking lot, and then he ran like a cowardly little thug. He then discharged the firearm and was ordered to surrender the weapon. Let me stop again. He discharged the firearm. That doesn't mean he dropped it. That means he pointed it and fired it at someone. He shot at something or someone with the stolen gun that he refused to drop and was running from the police because he did not want to be arrested. He did not surrender the weapon that he was ordered to surrender. He didn't drop it. He was then fired upon by Officer Mensa, a black cop, which, by the way, I have to add that part because nowhere in the CNN article, nowhere in the MSN article, does it mention that Officer Mensa was black. <sighs> what can I say? <clears throat> he refused to drop the weapon. He fired the weapon and was shot and killed by police as should have happened. There's a video out there. It looks like an officer walking towards someone, pointing a gun. Someone says, drop the gun, before a gunshot sounds. Alvin cannot be seen in the footage at the time of the shooting, but what sounds like several gunshots can soon be heard afterwards. Well, you don't need a video to know what happened. What the hell did we do in this country before video? Thursday, last night, marked a second night of protests in Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa. That must be Indian for, watch out, they're shooting black kids. I doubt it. Law enforcement 
made several arrests of members of a crowd violating lawful orders. They want voluntary compliance of their emergency curfew, according to the police department in a tweet. Police and National Guard, they bees working to patrol the city. A curfew is in effect from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. all the way through till this coming Monday. And although officials recognize the importance of peaceful protests, they said in a statement Wednesday, we must balance this with our charge to ensure that our community, lives, and property are protected. Listen, I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. You've said it before. But people don't listen, especially ignorant people. And this especially seems to apply in certain minority communities who refuse to obey the laws of our nation. So here it is in plain, simple English. When the police tell you to stop, you stop. When the police tell you to turn around, you turn around. When the police tell you to put your hands in the air, you put your hands in the air. When the police tell you to drop whatever it is in your hand, whether it's a candy bar, a bag of Skittles, a 9mm stolen handgun, or your expensive stolen iPhone, you do what they tell you to do. You drop it. You don't bend over. You don't try to gently place it on the ground. You do as you are told by law enforcement officers, and you drop whatever the hell it is you have in your grubby little hands. If the police say to get on the ground, then you get on the ground. If they tell you to face down and put your hands behind your back, then you face down and put your hands behind your back. It's that simple. Failure to comply could mean that you die. It's a rhyme. You could make that into a rap song. Comply or you die. And that's that simple. Really, it's that simple. Perhaps certain people in the AA minority 13% crowd never learned the hokey pokey. You put your left foot in when the cop tells you to. You put your left foot out when the cop told you to. You put your left foot in when the cop told you to. And you shake it all about when the cop told you to. You do the hokey pokey when the cop told you to. And you turn yourself around like the cop told you to. And that is what it's all about. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Eating its own has already begun in earnest. You remember earlier I mentioned how they would eat their own eventually, but it has begun way ahead of schedule. Yesterday, the left-wingers on social media and in the so-called mainstream news media 
had a hate fest against the right wing going. They had it going full blast. Remember, they claimed that right wing militias plotted to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and assault others, including the cops. The 13 men had hoped to start a civil war. And now we know the truth. We all know that the militia is not what they claim to be. The 13 plotters seem to like the Constitution. They seem to like guns, like most criminals. They also seem to hate the government. They're anarchists, and they have no problem with minorities, and they want them to join them in their civil war. The fact that they were anti-cops had me wondering why they were men on the right. Remember, the right wants the police. The university minions who watch for terrorists who claim they're right-wing or go from left to right, it's almost a total lie. Here's the deal. A fellow at George Washington University, J.J. McNabb, helped to start all the blather about Boogaloo and the Wolverine Watchmen as the right wing. She includes the harmless online group QAnon and Vaxxers in the groups of violent anarchists and socialist communists that supposedly put this plot together. She claimed that some Boogaloos and men like the ones who wanted to kidnap Whitmer sometimes like Trump, which is a distortion of reality and an attempt at throwing shade on who is really terrorizing Americans, and that is Antifa and the BM, <clears throat> excuse me, the BLM movement. Those men are Antifa-loving anarchists. The Boogaloo are socialist anarchists. You can't be anarchist-socialist if you're on the right wing. Sorry, ma'am, you're an idiot. The lies from these so-called university experts and pos these politicians, is, they're utterly nauseating. What happened was, a group of Antifa supporters decided they were going to be involved in a kidnapping. Whitmer, the governor, is a complete fraud, as well as all the Democrats ranting on social media about these so-called right-wingers. Their peeps? Antifa. These people are Democrats. They're Joe Biden supporters. These are the people Biden's staff and Kamala Harris's groups bail out of jail every time they're arrested. Yes, Whitmer spent the day, all day, blaming the right wing, tying it to President Trump. Unbelievable. They turned out to be Antifa, who are mostly supporters of Joe Biden. What a mess. And to support this thought... Authorities revealed, according to the New York Post, the existence of a shadowy militia group called the Wolverine Watchmen on Thursday, while detailing charges against 13 men charged with plotting to kidnap Michigan Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer and to spark a civil war. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel said, Seven of the men, all of whom were in custody on state charges under Michigan's Anti-Terrorism Act, were, quote, linked to the militia group Wolverine Watchmen and associates of Wolverine Watchmen, unquote. unquote. She didn't provide any further details about the group. She didn't take questions from reporters. The Wolverine Watchmen don't have any online present, presence, and they are not listed among 576 extreme anti-government groups as identified during the Southern Poverty Law Center's 
2019 study, which supposedly monitors American hate groups and other extremists, but of course only those on the right. The Anti-Defamation League, which also monitors extremist groups, had no mention of the Wolverine uh, Watchmen on its website. In 2012, however, it reported that there was a group called the Michigan Militia Corps Wolverines who were planning to conduct a paramilitary training operation in Michigan. On its website, the group says, quote, A well-armed citizenry is the best form of homeland security and can better deter crime, invasion, terrorism, and tyranny, unquote. It also says everyone is welcome, regardless of race, creed, color, religion, or political affiliation, provided you do not wish to bring harm to our country or our people. In a statement to the Post, the group said, Michigan Militia Corps, Wolverines, MMCW, does not and has not ever had any affiliation with the Wolverine Watchmen or any of its members. We do not advocate any of the alleged actions in which they have been accused. Although these Watchmen have also adopted the Wolverine as their mascot, they have no connection to the Michigan Militia Corps Wolverines. During Thursday's news conference, Nessel said the seven men that were tied to the Wolverine Watchmen made threats of violence intended to instigate a civil war, and they engaged in planning and training for an operation to attack the Capitol building of Michigan and kidnap government in, uh, officials, including the governor. This is not a far-right group. In fact, they have ties to Antifa. This is the Truth Hurts program. If the Democrats do indeed hope to retake the Senate this fall, those hopes might be just a little dimmer today. Cal Cunningham of North Carolina was on a fast track to secure a win for the Democrat Party in the Senate, but those hopes have now dimmed because he's been ducking questions now for days about having an affair with a veteran's estranged wife. It's all over the front pages. And Republican Senator Tillis is on the attack. He's going after Cunningham himself. Yes, he's doing what the Democrats always do. And he's attacking the character, or in this case, lack thereof. It looks like Mr. Cal Cunningham screwed the pooch. Well, maybe not the pooch, but maybe the pooch's owner, the estranged wife of a U.S. veteran. Shame, shame on you. Maybe we'll keep North Carolina with a Republican senator. Now in a year marked by death, destruction, shutdown of an economy, personal tragedy and loss, I must now shed a tear for Dr. Anthony Fauci. According to CNBC, Dr. Fauci will be skipping Thanksgiving with his children this year. As the holiday season approaches, many people around the country are wondering whether it's safe to travel or to gather with friends and family during this Kung Fu Wuhan flu tragedy. Dr. Anthony Fauci has decided he will be having a very, very closed family type of thing for Thanksgiving this year. 
He won't be getting together with his daughters because they live in different parts of the country where there are concerns about levels of COVID-19 rising in the fall. Fauci has three adult children. We would love for them to come home for Thanksgiving, says Washington, D.C. resident Anthony Fauci. They've said themselves, Dad, you know you're a young, vigorous guy, but you're 79 years old. We want you and Mommy to have a nice, quiet dinner. Maybe have a next-door neighbor that comes over to the house all the time that you know is negative. We'll send our love by way of Zoom. Well, I'm so, so sorry I wasted a minute and a half of your time because I could really give a rat's narrow, furry little ass about Dr. Fauci's Thanksgiving plans. This is the Truth Hurts program. You've got to just love the bullshit level, the sensationalism, the non-journalism, written in newspapers like the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. There's an article posted today in the Washington Compost. It says, Guests at Trump's events scattered across the country potentially exposed, many of their contacts may never be identified. The article starts, An evangelical pastor preached in Georgia. An attorney exercised at a gym in California. A political strategist went out on the stump in North Carolina. And a cabinet secretary embarked on a three-state tour of manufacturing facilities. Each had been in Washington days before, visiting the White House for a September 26th ceremony introducing Amy Coney Barrett as Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court. It was an elegant affair involving much of the country's conservative elite, but it is now believed to possibly have contributed to a coronavirus outbreak which sickened Trump and at least nine other members of his administration. In addition to top Republican officials, members of the Congress and the military. And with no systematic effort to trace or advise the hundreds of guests at the Rose Garden ceremony and other events surrounding the days, many made their way home and resumed their busy schedules, according to interviews with more than 40 people who attended events with the president between September 25th and October 1st, when Trump announced he had tested positive. Well, you know... If everybody stayed home and wore a mask, we'd still have coronavirus everywhere. So get over yourselves. The magic masks do not work. The social distancing has not worked. People are still getting coronavirus. And guess what? Hardly any of them are dying. Hardly any are dying. Remember, the massive amounts of deaths, the highest percentages of deaths occurred where? Oh, come on. You guys know the answer. New York City, where Governor Andrew Cuomo sentenced thousands of elderly people to their deaths by submitting an order that required COVID-positive elderly patients to be housed in the same buildings with non-COVID-positive elderly nursing home residents. The largest number of COVID-related deaths in the nation 
occurred thanks to Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. But they don't mention that in the news now, do they? The reaction to the outbreak was notably different in the communities where these events occurred and in some of the places to which guests returned where businesses temporarily closed or quarantined staff after contact with associates of the president were revealed. Of course, there are detractors. One person said, I don't think the White House as a whole has handled the COVID-19 pandemic appropriately. They've downplayed it, and now it's pushing people like me into a political arena that I don't want to be in. Whoopie-doo, don't be in it then. It's just that simple. None of the people interviewed by the Washington Compost said they had been contacted by the federal government with any questions about possible symptoms of COVID-19 or their contacts over the past 12 days. None said that they had been advised by federal authorities about any protocols to keep others safe during a period in which an infection could still develop, previous negative tests notwithstanding. No one... Not a single person has claimed to have been sick who attended those events, except for President Trump. His wife, the beautiful, elegant First Lady Melania Trump, tested positive, but showed zero symptoms and has not complained or even coughed. Yes, folks. They are doing everything they can. They're pulling out all the stops to try and blame Donald Trump for everything. So remember, today, if you're hammering a nail and you miss and you hit your thumb, it's Donald Trump's fault. If you take a crap today and there's a little blood in the stool, it's Donald Trump's fault. If you get into a car wreck today, it's Donald Trump's fault. If you fail your math test today, boys and girls, it's Donald Trump's fault. And, of course, if you fart today and it stinks, you can blame it squarely on Donald Trump. Because, after all, it's Donald Trump's fault. And that, boys and girls, is the truth. And sometimes... (laughs) The hell is that smell? The truth hurts. putting things into perspective and doing it with style. This is the Truth Hurts program. Here's your host, Steve Z. So what does a person give up when they lose the democracy, when they lose the freedoms afforded to U.S. citizens by the United States Constitution? Here's a quick story about someone who now realizes how much it sucks to go to another country where you don't have the freedoms of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, or any of our constitutional freedoms. In Bangkok, Thailand, a hotel guest, well, he's facing prison time for expressing his opinion. He's very, very sorry, but a hotel in Thailand that threatened an American guest with prison for his bad reviews will likely end up with bigger regrets. 
Wesley Barnes, the American guest, publicly apologized on Friday for his blunt online reviews of the Seaview Ko Chang Resort in Thailand. In exchange for his apology, the hotel promised it would drop the complaint that led authorities in Thailand to file criminal charges against him. See, more than wounded pride was on the line. In Thailand, criminal defamation charges can result in a prison term of two years or more. Mr. Barnes had already spent two days in jail after he was arrested on those charges last month before he posted bail. The question now for the Seaview Resort and for Thailand's tourism industry, which is struggling due to coronavirus and all of its travel freezes, is whether it can recover from what it claims is considerable damage to its reputation that it suffered and it threatened Mr. Barnes with prison. The resort on Thailand's southeastern coast has been excoriated online for using the country's tough anti-defamation laws against a guest who simply did not enjoy his stay and decided to write about it. You see, Mr. Barnes had a sucky experience at the Ko Chang Island Thailand Resort, the Sea View, and he decided to write a review. In the U.S., not so much of a big deal. I guess you could be sued for defamation if what you say is not true. Barnes struck a decidedly different tone on Friday. He changed his story. In a statement filled with stilted official language, language reminiscent of a forced confession, he said, quote, All of the statements I made are completely untrue. These reviews and comments were written out of anger and malice. Now I, Mr. Barnes, have regretted my actions and would like to apologize to Seaview Ko Chang and its staff. As required by the settlement with the hotel, Mr. Barnes also sent the statement to news outlets which covered the case, including the New York Slimes. He apologized, quote, for my repeatedly false and untrue statements reviews made to maliciously defame the Seaview Ko Chang, unquote. After all the conditions are met, the hotel will withdraw the charges against the offender, according to the Royal Thai Police Department spokesperson, Mr. Barnes wisely has not responded to any requests for further comment. So just be careful, folks. Once the Democrats take office, they can now find a way to do this to you, and there won't be a damned thing you can do about it, because with a stacked Supreme Court squarely in the Democrats' favor, they will be able to prosecute all of you conservatives for anything they choose. And yes, you can take it all the way to the Supreme Court, boys and girls, but it won't amount to a hill of ground coffee beans. We may once again be able to enjoy Jello pudding. Pennsylvania Supreme Court will hear oral arguments and actor Bill Cosby's appeal to overturn his 2018 conviction of aggravated indecent assault. Arguments will be heard during the start of the December session and they will be done virtually according to the filing. Bill Cosby, as you know, was once known as America's dad and was convicted back in 2018 for allegedly drugging and sexually assaulting a former Temple University employee. 
Andrea Costand had claimed the comedian gained her trust before he allegedly sexually assaulted her at his home in 2004. Cosby's less than two years into his three to ten year sentence at a prison just outside of Philly. A previous ruling by the high court granted the former actor and comedian the ability to appeal two issues in his case. One pertains to the witnesses who testified about the alleged assaults that were not part of these charges, and the second involves the prior DA's decision to not charge him ten years before. At his criminal trial, the judge allowed five other women, including a supermodel named Janice Dickinson, to testify that Bill Cosby had incapacitated and assaulted them in other incidents. Prosecutors said these prior bad act witnesses showed that Bill Cosby had a pattern in his assaults. But Cosby's legal team argued their testimony was dated and dissimilar from the criminal accusations and should not have been allowed in court. In addition, the trial, fe- uh, the trial featured Cosby's deposition in his civil case, which he admitted that he procured coiludes for women he wanted to have sex with. His attorney says he only answered deposition questions because he was allegedly promised there would not be a criminal case based on Constan's allegations. Andrea Constance said she considered him a mentor and he had gained her trust. She claimed that Cosby gave her pills to incapacitate her and then he sexually assaulted her. She told police about the incident in 2005, but the prosecutors declined to press charges. Instead, they settled in civil court. And then several years later, after finding out about the settlement, those greedy little bitches came forward and claimed that drugs and sexual assaults occurred to them at the hand of the Pudding Pop King, Bill Cosby. So a new team of prosecutors took up the case. They relied on statements made by Constan in a civil deposition, and they arrested him in December of 2015. The 83-year-old Bill Cosby is now serving his sentence at SCI Phoenix, a state prison near Collegeville, Pennsylvania, for three convictions of aggravated indecent assault and America's dad, Bill Cosby, the Pudding Pop King, is registered as a sexual violent predator in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, Fat Albert, you must be very upset. Whether I'm out in the boat or on the track bike or the street cruiser motorcycle, camping in the RV, or out at the shooting range, the golf course, here in the studio, or just riding around in my pickup truck, you can count on one thing. I'm armed and I'm ready. Carrying concealed means I have the peace of mind knowing that I'm protected wherever I go and wherever I stay. Carrying concealed means I don't have to show off what I'm packing. But my family, my friends, and I all feel more at ease knowing that if the need arises, I am prepared. It's legal, and it's easy to apply for your concealed carry permit. Simply go online and search for your state's concealed carry requirements. Take the class, take the training, get the permit. You'll be glad you did. Concealed carry, it's the best way for you to enjoy all the benefits of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is responsible for this public service message about your rights under the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution.
You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music, courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020, Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time.